What's going on, guys? In this podcast, I'm going to do a recap of what happened in week 14. I uh, Just before we get started, my voice is kind of screwed up. It's a little bit gone from this weekend, but um, so bear with me. And yeah, let's get into it. Let's start on the... Well, I'm going to do the whole week 14 recap, obviously, aside from Monday Night Football, which is tonight, which is a game I'm very much excited for. Um, I think I've already, you've already heard my prediction on that game, so I don't need to get into it, but... Um, I'll probably just talk about that maybe on the next pod or whatever. We'll figure it out. Josh and I will be doing some different kind of stuff um, later in the week. So YouTube stuff will be up also. And, uh, yeah, so let's get into it. The first thing I want to say regarding this week's games are the um, the kind of two things, right? The the early games on, the, on Sunday, the 12 o'clock p.m. for me games, were pretty lopsided, right? A lot of big games double digit wins and things like that and then the late ones were the more dramatic games so that was kind of funny also you guys know at this point if you listen to any preview predictions pod i tend to always lean towards the under for some reason i don't know um only three unders hit on sunday i'm sorry on on a sunday and thursday combined just three unders so it was a whole bunch of overs if you were betting overs you were probably winning so um yeah, so let's talk about Seattle real quick. They beat up on the Texans 33-13. Houston initially came out in this game like they were going to make it a real competitive football game, but it wasn't to be, although Davis Mills did, I mean, he threw for 331 yards. He played pretty well. Uh, Rashad Penny, man, I really was about to pick this guy up, plug him in and play him in, uh, in my home league, which doesn't necessarily matter in terms of the week. I Honestly, I dropped the ball on setting my lineups this week, as some of you might know. But the point is, um, it was a long night Saturday, let's put it like that. But the point is, I was about I had Rashad Penny. I was about to pick him up and plug and play him. And like somebody called me or something happened, you know, on my phone, and I just didn't I never even went back to it. But so it's really disappointing because I I felt like, hey, he carried the ball 10 times for 35 yards last game and he caught a pass for I think it was 27 yards. Now, in this one, of course, he goes completely bonkers. He looks like the lead back now, the new lead back in Seattle. So sometimes it takes the first-round pick five years to get, you know, rolling, right? Just kidding. But, hey, Penny, 16 carries, 37 yards, two touchdowns, big game for him. And uh, as I mentioned, I think he's the lead back there in Seattle for the rest of the way. So he might be a guy that, um, I mean, if you picked him up a week early, which is where you should have, um, that would be awesome. However, I think I mentioned him in the waiver – I'm sorry. Yeah, the waiver pod. But in any case, he looks like a guy that might be a huge addition down the stretch in the playoff run for starting next week. And um, as I mentioned, you know, Houston's offense played a little bit better than expected. Brandon Cooks had, I think, 101 yards and Davis Mills threw for over 300. So it was a good performance in that regard. They just didn't get enough points, right? Only 13 points. And hey, Seattle, as I mentioned before this game started, Seattle's the sixth best scoring defense in the NFL. Probably now they're move up to fourth or fifth. But um it was not the easiest matchup for Houston's defense. This game went over. I felt like it was a really good candidate to go under, and um, that didn't happen. Tyler Lockett got loose. He had 100. What was he? 142 yards and a touchdown. So there was uh, Wilson. Was you know he was good. Wasn't elite Russell Wilson, but there were some flashes that weren't there in the last four or five games or since the injury. So um, overall, good win from Seattle. They've now won two in a row. They're not quitting, and that's because they have Pete Carroll as their head coach. That's somebody I really respect as a head football coach. And I know, you know, Russell Wilson and him may not be seeing things eye to eye. I don't know. But the point is, Pete Carroll's teams don't quit. They've won two in a row. And now 
they're going to be the classic spoiler, in my opinion, or a potential spoiler down the stretch as the season finishes up. So Seattle gets a win. Um, Houston gets a lot. I saw somebody say that Houston's going to fire David Culley after one season. If you do that, I'll be very disappointed because this defense on under Culley has made a leap from where they were last year to this year, and they didn't really bring in any substantial talent, right? It was like they, they you know, wasn't much. And so I think that that right there is all on the coaching. I also think that uh, that they've never quit. They've never given up. It's maybe not been quite as inspirational as what the Lions have done all year, but I don't think even for one second that this guy should get fired. I think that he's he had a shitty hand in terms of talent and draft picks and things like that. And they didn't even have a bunch of cap space. Right. And he's, I mean, he's, he's won a couple of games. Uh, I don't think they're the worst team in football. I mean, that, I think they're pretty close, but the point is, I don't know. I just feel like firing him after one year is totally unfair. And I would not do that. Um, the Tennessee Titans beat the Jaguars 20 to zero in a shutout. This is one of the unders of the week and it had a whole lot to do with Trevor Lawrence, you know, just again, not playing well. He'd doing, he had been doing rel- relatively well, or at least very well, I should say, and not throwing interceptions that did not continue in this one. He threw four picks yesterday. So that was devastating. Um, I mean, just because it like as bad as it was, the, the Jaguars were actually in this game from the standpoint of, um, you know, it, it was it was within striking distance if they had any semblance of an offense for most of the game until, you know, it wasn't. But the point is, Trevor, man, nine touchdowns to, to 14 interceptions on the season. Now, it's it's been a really, really ugly rookie season. And we really, in my opinion, at least, haven't seen that game from him. Even like Justin Fields last night, we'll talk about him later. He played well last night, or at least he played Justin Fields last night, nobody's going to go ranting and raving about how phenomenal of a performance it was, but I would say that that might have been better than any game Trevor Lawrence has played all year. I mean, maybe the Cincinnati game, but again, in that Cincy game, he had like a 60-yard completion, but he only finished with 204 yards and didn't throw a touchdown. You know, so it was like he hasn't had any games where you just look at it and say, wow, you know, he's been really, really, you know, that's why he was the number one overall pick. There really, there have been maybe a, a moment or two here and there, but it hasn't been you know, like that. And look at his, his last seven games, guys. Trevor Lawrence last seven games. He has two touchdown passes and he's averaging 5.1 yards per attempt. And guess what? He hasn't had a single game over the last seven where he's averaged seven yards per pass attempt. He's only had one game where he's averaged over six yards per pass attempt, or at least six yards per pass. Attempt. It's been awful. Um, there for the Jags. And I, I have to put some of that responsibility on Trevor Lawrence. So um, anyways, the Titans, uh, obviously they, they do have a very good defense. So I, I will give them that. But, you know, and, and by the way, the Jaguars also haven't scored 20 or more points since week six. Guys, it's week, we're going on week 15. That was, We just finished week 14. So that's pretty miserable. James Robinson in this game, just six carries for four yards. So apparently Urban Meyer didn't get the memo that Trevor Lawrence wants James Robinson on the field because, you know, he uh, didn't really give. I mean, he didn't give him the football. Let's see. What was his snap counts? Let me see what that was real quick. Um, Well, uh, 64. Okay, so 60. The guy played 64% of the snaps in a game that, as I mentioned, was was like two scores for, you know, a while. It was like, I think it was uh, 16, or I mean, um, anyways, it was 17-0 for a while, then they they kicked the last field goal, but um, 
again, six carries for four yards for James Robinson. That's just not enough. He didn't he, he didn't even he wasn't even targeted once in the passing game, even though he played 64% of the snap. So I don't understand exactly what they're doing there. And um, you know, it's it's um been as I mentioned, very, very disappointing for that Jaguars offense. Urban Meyer after the game was asked like something about something and he mentioned like you don't have an insider and if you did he'd be fired within seconds the guy to me his body language is not despite what he thinks of himself being this big winner his body language is not that of a winner his body language is of a defeated spoiled entitled little baby and to me it's the definition of a loser in terms of how it looks at least for my just my opinion um again tennessee's offense not spectacular but they did enough to win ryan Tannehill didn't throw a touchdown but he also didn't throw a turn uh, didn't turn the ball over um he was sacked four times actually in this game only averaged 6.2 yards per pass attempt at 191 yards and um he did run for a touchdown though he ran for four carries 29 yards in that score and so yeah it was it was one of those days for Tennessee's offense where they just did what they had to do to win and fortunately for them it wasn't much because I don't know if they're capable of doing a whole bunch but in any case the Titans are nine and four that's tied for the best record in the AFC and that's all that really matters at the end of the day they're they're still putting themselves in position because they have to keep winning I mean they've probably at least got to win like one or two more games to clinch the AFC South and uh, if they don't do that, then I think the Colts will will beat them. But for Indy, they'd have to finish better than uh, Tennessee in terms of record-wise. And um, now they're a full two games behind with just, what, four, where are we at? Four games to go? Um, yeah, so we'll see how that all shakes out. But I think Tennessee's in pretty good shape. I think they just have to win two more in that case, right, to, uh, to clinch. And so we'll see how that goes. Uh, the Saints snap their losing streak finally, right? And they dismantle. The New York uh, Jets. I mean, it, it was one of those games where it wasn't necessarily a dismantling the entire time. It was actually it was a close game, and and then it was like just eventually you found out who the better team. I mean, we all knew who the better team was going into it, most likely, but you found out um, exactly why, right? Just they. I mean, look, as I mentioned about Trevor Lawrence, I have to say the same about Zach Wilson. It's not been pretty, you know. It it just hasn't been, and. Um, uh, anytime you have double the interceptions than you do touchdown passes, I mean, that's obviously not what you're looking for, right? You're looking for a two to one at minimum touchdown to interception ratio. And I know it's not just about stats or whatever, but, you know, Zach has six touchdown passes and nine starts. Um, so it's not spectacular. And he has 11 interceptions in that time, averaging a little over six yards per pass attempt. And, um, you know, it's been rough, man. It's been it's been very, very ugly. He had a decent game the week before against Philly. Of course, a decent start is really what it was. A uh, very good start, I should say. And then he kind of just meh, lackluster finish in that game. And, um, you know, he's been – I mentioned about Trevor Lawrence. Zach Wilson doesn't ha- – or, I'm sorry. Zach Wilson has one game this entire season, or actually two games, if I'm rounding up slightly, where he's averaged over seven or seven yards, at least seven yards per pass attempt. He averaged seven yards exactly in the, in the week one, ironically, game against Carolina, and he averaged um, over. Oh, he had over, over ugh, averaged over eight yards per pass attempt in the win against Tennessee back in week four. So you know, this to me was. As much as I, we all know the Saints, as I said, are more talented than than the Jets, this was a winnable game for the Jets considering 
you know, they they just won a game a couple weeks ago against the Texans, and now it was like, hey, you're a home, this is a home game, an opportunity for you to finally win a game at home since the first time since week four, and they just, you know, were not able to do so. So unfortunate there. Taysom Hill, if you started them in fantasy, you are not upset. I mean, the dude w- finished it with a with a bang with that long touchdown run. Uh, what was it? But he on the on the game he had 11 carries for 73 yards and two touchdowns. So that was. Just that alone, you'll take it, right? But he, he uh, you know, also had 175 yards passing and no interceptions. And and so that was impressive. And, um, I mean, it was impressive from the sense that, like, he's obviously, number one, he's be- a much better option at quarterback than, than Trevor Simeon. And it just works for what the Saints want to do. They want to be very run heavy. And adding him into the mix as a ball carrier there will will definitely, you know, I think that's, that's just – for the best, it fits better with what they're doing. Trevor Simeon is is a guy that I think he's a decent player, probably a backup quarterback, you know, and and not a guy you want spot starting. Whereas Taysom Hill, I think that I mean he showed last year if you put him in situations to start a few weeks like or a few games, he'll win some games. He can actually win. Uh, he's better for winning than than uh, Simeon is. So I think he'll be the guy the rest of the way, barring health. And um, yeah, man, good win for the Saints. They are now six and seven, and definitely not out of it uh, in terms of the NFC playoff race. So we'll see, we'll see how things finish for them. But they desperately needed this win, and they got it. My Carolina Panthers melted down at the hands of the Atlanta Falcons in Carolina. Dude, this was ugly, man. Um, and by the way, the Falcons. Speaking of a team that's still in the playoff mix, the Falcons are six and seven. They're still in the mix. I mean, they might even be. I have to double check it, but they're. they're one of the teams I believe that's that's really could be that seven seed right now. I have to see how the tiebreakers and all that shake out. But uh, but yeah, man, Atlanta is is doing their thing. And um, I mean, this was a game I, I felt incredibly confident the Panthers would win after a bye at home against a team you just beat a few weeks ago with even a worse quarterback on your roster, Sam Darnold starting. It just wasn't to be, man. Atlanta out physical Carolina. They were much tough, they were the much tougher football team really on in, in every way um I, when they needed a yard on third and one they would just push the carolina defensive line out of their way and get that yard you know and, and that was really actually the, i think the final offensive play of the game uh in terms of how it finished and um cam newton was not terrible in this game he and he also wasn't benched uh rules said entering the game that he would use Walker in certain situations that Cam maybe wasn't as, as versed in the offense as you'd like. And so that was what that was. I, I know media and Twitter went completely bonkers crazy when he took Cam out of the game. Uh, but, but you know, it, it wasn't a, a benching, you know, so much so as it was just like, hey, two-minute offense, let's put Walker in there. But I think that quickly Matt Rule found out that that wasn't a wise move considering – uh, I think Walker's second or third attempt was an interception, and it was an awful one. It was it was one that really hurt them uh, as well because they were at about midfield, and you know and things happened. But Cam Newton, uh, you know, people like to say, "Oh, he's awful, he's awful." Well, guess what? He started three games, and two of those three games, he's averaging at least seven yards per pass attempt. So that puts him, you know, right away better than several quarterbacks. Two of them I just mentioned in this uh, podcast already. So he's not. It's not that he's been awful. He's just. Dude, it's a tough ask when you get signed in week, what, 10, and you come in into an offense that you've never played in before, right? It's like everybody thinks, oh, he's back in Carolina. You know, he doesn't know the offense, you know, so it's tough, right? But he still can't fumble the ball on that handoff. He still can't, you know, the interception was backbreaking. It was really a game-changing moment of that football game. And unfortunately, 
that was on Cam, right? I mean, it was a, it was tough. I know he just didn't see the guy or whatever, but in any case, uh, situational football killed the Panthers in this game. Matt Rule, you know, I said it just a few days ago. I don't think he should be fired, right? However, I think that, you know, you can feel the possibility getting more and more real because this was a game, man, just felt like, hey, Carolina, you have a chance to really get in the mix, you know, in, in terms of the playoff seeding and all that stuff in the end, or you can make the playoffs possibly get a win here and, you know, finish the season strong, blah, blah, blah. And it just, it was not to be. I mean, it was just a complete, like I said, the the most embarrassing part was they got out physical by an Atlanta Falcons team that historically speaking in the last two decades or so have not been known for their physicality, right? They definitely were better in terms of they didn't they they forced turnovers they didn't turn the ball over themselves and they made play that situational football was fantastic and the third and 13 conversion on the final drive that really iced the game for atlanta to, to kyle pitts was just i mean wow it's like it was a little just a little play action boot nobody goes with kyle pitts he catches a very easy little pass from matt ryan turns it up the field gets first down and and uh yeah man so atlanta Gets a big win, 29-21 over the Panthers. Another game that went over, by the way. And things are looking very, very doom and gloom in Carolina, especially when you consider they're going to play the at the Buffalo Bills next week. So things do not get any easier. The Ravens lose their second straight game uh, in division to Cleveland, man. 24-22, to they lost, but they almost pulled this thing off. They almost came all the way back from a 24-3 deficit in Cleveland uh, without Lamar Jackson. I mean, who the hell would have thought that was possible? It was a game where you just thought it's over for sure, and then all of a sudden you look back a few, you know, an hour later, and you're like, what the freak is going on in Cleveland? And so I don't exactly know. I think, honestly, I think Huntley just made some really nice plays, really nice throws, and, and um, you know, they just they got hot at the last minute of that game and really made it interesting, right? So uh, if you took Cleveland minus 2.5 in this game, I feel for you, man, because that last second or that last touchdown by Mark Andrews just – and I think I think they even went, if I'm not mistaken, for a two-point conversion. Uh, in any case, the point is they ruined your minus two-and-a-half that was looking absolutely golden for three quarters. And, um, yeah, it was tough, right? The, the Browns' defense largely dominated this football game. Um, and it was, you know, offensively, they didn't do a ton, but they did what they had to do. You know what I mean? So it wasn't, um, it, it, it was what it was. It, it was just, a, it was one of the, it was a classic AFC North game, right? Like just a division tough game. Um, this one actually went over in terms of the points. Of course, that was in very large part because the Ravens decided to get scorching hot down the stretch. But for the most part of this game, it was just a classic AFC North ugly football game. And, and uh, the Browns came out on top. The Browns now, this is huge for them, right? Because they are now fully alive and well, seven and six, and I believe they are. What are they? A game and a half, two games out of the uh, the playoff picture there in the AFC. So they needed, they absolutely had to have this game, and they did it. They, I mean, they got the win. So and you know, and maybe it was, maybe it was okay. So yeah, now the Browns. No, excuse me. Now the Browns are the eight seed. I just updated my the playoff uh, picture outlook. The Bills are the seven seed, hanging on by a thread after that loss to Tampa. We'll talk about that in a little while. And the Browns were able to get the win. Now they are, as I mentioned, the eight seed. So they're tied with Buffalo, but I guess because Buffalo has a better conference record, they're out. And um, 
by the way, the Colts on their bye week are now the sixth seed. So it is what it is there. Good, good on Indy for um, getting in. I don't exactly know why that happened. Oh, it's because the Bengals lost. Wow. Insane, man. The AFC playoff picture is, re- I mean, really both sides are, are super entertaining. The Washington football team is, by the way, still the seventh seed. But anyways, we'll do that in another podcast or whatever uh, at another time. But Big win for Cleveland. They're right there now. They've got an opportunity. If they win out, they'll probably make the playoffs. So it's it's one of those situations where who's going to step up and finish hot. The Chiefs absolutely obliterated the Las Vegas Raiders in Kansas City. Uh, 48 to 9. Score Agami says that's the first uh, 48 to 9 score in NFL history, I believe. And so cool on that. But Patrick Mahomes, you know. It wasn't like Mahomes had 400 yards and, four, and five touchdowns like he did a few weeks ago against the Raiders, but he did obviously dominate them or you know he did whatever he wanted to when he had to. And so I think that he actually, it's safe to say he owns the Raiders in a similar way that Aaron Rodgers owns the Chicago Bears. Um, but the Chiefs, once again, the story is the defense, man. They are absolutely an elite defense. I'm not going to sugarcoat it anymore. I'm going to say it like it is. The Kansas City Chiefs, are the strength of that football team is their defense, okay? Also, by the way, they scored 48 points, and I know one of them was a defensive touchdown, but the point is they now, um, if they if their offense has found itself again, which it very well looks like it could have, you know, Clyde Edwards-Dealer, by the way, looked very elusive in this game on that second touchdown run in particular, but he was uh he was very good and i just think the chiefs man they're terrifying right now for anybody if you have to play the chiefs whether it be next week or in the first or second week of the playoffs I, by the way they're still very much in the mix for the number 1 seed in the afc oh yeah they're tied for the best record in the afc the kansas city chiefs i mentioned this a few weeks ago that they are still super bowl contenders and that maybe if you were a guy that likes to bet on Super Bowl winners, you should have taken that bet a few weeks ago because it, it was never too much to overcome. And now all of a sudden they have a very, very comfortable lead in their division. And this team has won one, two, three, four, five, six in a row. Guys, they have guys, they've given up nine points in each of the last three games. And the week before that, it was 14. Then it was seven. Then it was 17, right? So like they, they've been 17 or fewer points in uh, one, two, three, four, five, six straight games on this entire win streak. The defense in Kansas City, I'm sorry, it's elite. It That's the word for it. It is absolutely elite. All right, Cincinnati 49ers, man, that was a phenomenal game. 26-23 win for the Niners. The over by a half a point in this game, by the way. Uh, Brandon Ayuk with the walk-off overtime touchdown in Cincy. And um, this was a game of the two quarterbacks, right? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Joe Burrow were phenomenal. It was a, it was a duel for the, between these two guys. They had 644 yards combined passing. 348 came from Burrow, 296 uh, from Jimmy G. So that was pretty cool to watch. It was a good, clean football game in that regard. And both defenses stopped the run pretty well, and they both got pressure on the quarterback. The Niners sacked Burrow five times since he sacked Jimmy Garoppolo four times. So it was one of those things where, you know, quarterbacks just had to play well under pressure, and they did for the majority of that game. The biggest thing in this football game is two things, right? Cincinnati, excuse me, um, missed a field goal, I believe it was in the third quarter, and that ultimately obviously was the, you know, the difference in the game, I guess you could say, right? And then also – Burrow takes that sack on third and three on an overtime drive where they get the ball first in overtime. They're going right down the field. And that sack that Burrow took on third and three wasn't it wasn't necessarily his fault. Just saying it was a huge play 
from the 49ers defense to give their offense a chance, and the offense absolutely delivered in that chance. And I do want to say real quick, before we get into San Francisco's end of this, Joe Burrow's freaking clutch. He is incredibly clutch. You're down 20 to 13 with like two and a half minutes to go on your own, ball on your own, I think it was five-yard line. It goes 95 yards for a touchdown, right? Like that, to me, is incredible. One thing I'll float out there is when your offense does something like that, as a coach, do you ever do you consider at that point maybe just going for two, going for the win? I think maybe that would have been something to think about, considering how clutch Burrow looked at that time, and and really he was that way in overtime as well. So um, that was awesome from Cincy. Jamar Chase had a big game, seventy-seven yards, two touchdowns. Really made some crazy catches there. One of them I think didn't go for a touchdown, but it was very close. And uh, by the way, on the 49ers things of this or end of this. George Kittle went completely insane. 13 for a buck 51, just in clutch to third down catches, big plays when they needed it. Uh, George Kittle was very impressive. I nailed Debo Samuel's role. One catch, eight carries, right? It was like that, that was what we, you know, that's what I thought it would be. And um, that's what it was. He also got in the end zone there. So if you start him in fantasy, you you got, you know, you got your money's worth, I, I think, for, for regard or as it pertains to like what we were expecting from him. And so on the 49er end of this, man, you you really needed to win this game and you did. And it was unbelievably clutch. The team in San Francisco has unbelievable um, heart. They did not give up. They did not get overwhelmed in a big game on the road in a situation where since he had all the momentum late and uh, San Francisco deserves a ton of credit, man. They are they are together as a team, and they're doing some good things on both sides of the ball. I love what the Niners did yesterday. That was a gigantic win. I thought the Bengals were going to rise up and win that game, and it looked like that was going to be the case, you know, even very, very late in that one. But San Francisco answered the bell. Jimmy Garoppolo clutch touchdown drive in overtime, and Brandon Ayuk made you happy if you started them with that walk-off touchdown. Huge win for the Niners. The Broncos dismantled the Detroit Lions. I'm sorry to say it like it is, but, I mean, it is what it is, right? It was a, it was a very um, tough game for the Lions, right? You didn't have – I mean, the Broncos' defense dominated, right? They forced two turnovers, a fumble and an interception. They also forced two turnovers on downs. And they were able to, you know, for the most part, I guess – they just were able to do whatever they wanted defensively and to, to really force a bunch of punts and turnovers that I mentioned uh, on that Lions offense. And then offensively, they were Teddy Bridgewater didn't do didn't do a whole lot, but Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams combined for 39 carries, 184 yards, and three touchdowns. It's almost five yards a carry. And uh, Javante also had a one reception for 10 yards and a touchdown. So it was a very big game for the Bronco running backs. Denver very much alive again in that in that AFC playoff picture they're very much alive but this is a game where the the Lions defense didn't play horribly it's just when your offense continuously puts your defense right back on the field right back on the field right back on the field things are not going to be that easy for you you know you're it's 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 tough right so Denver now is is tied with everybody that's the, including the 7 seed and 6 seed Bills and Colts record wise but they're, uh, I'm assuming, I guess it's their conference record, maybe a combination of conference record and head-to-heads and all that stuff puts them down as right now technically the 10th seed. But they are in the mix. They're not dead yet in that playoff picture in the AFC. So look out for Denver as they if finish strong, they can get in. Uh, Washington nearly comes all the way back. But ultimately, they fall short to the Dallas Cowboys, 27-20. This was a wild game. If you guys watched it, oh, my God, it was crazy. Um, ultimately, I, I mentioned Washington was going to run the hell out of the football. Well, the way that things happened in game flow-wise in that first half, that 
I think the Cowboys were up 24-0, right? Or 20, yeah, some, somewhere around there. And it was ultimately uh, just too much, right? They couldn't, they, they were not able to get as balanced as they wanted to be offensively. I think they still ran for over 100 yards, but Antonio Gibson only had 10 for 36. And that's just not what the plan was, right? Uh, by the way, this game was actually the under. It hit the under, so it was one of the under games of the week. The Cowboys defense was phenomenal, man. The Gregory interception was one of the biggest plays, if not the biggest play in this football game. The um, uh, Taylor Heineke was 11 of 25 for 122 yards, a touchdown in the pick, and Kyle Allen was only 4 of 9 for 53 yards. So it wasn't like he came in there and did a whole bunch better, but Heineke left with injury in case you guys didn't know. I'm not sure how serious that is. But um, Washington's defense played well. They played well enough to win, especially in that second half, right? They, they held Dallas to just three second-half points. The Cole Holcomb pick six was insane, and um, Washington did not quit. They do not give up under Ron Rivera, and that's just a you know vintage Ron Rivera coach team, right? But ultimately, offense just couldn't do enough to win. I mean, defense gave you opportunities, and um, – you know, defense even went and scored one of their own, as I mentioned, that Kohokam pick six, but it was ultimately just not enough to win. I can't believe Dak Prescott threw that ball uh, in that situation and ended up throwing a pick six. What a crazy way for that thing to get way more interesting in the final four minutes there. But, um, you know, ultimately the Cowboys defense just, you know, would not. Uh, the Cowboys defense made big plays in critical situations, and they did so one more time at least than what Washington was able to do, especially with their offense. So huge win for Dallas to now give themselves a three-game lead. Imagine if they would have lost this game, it would have been a one-game lead, right? So you win it, and because it's head-to-head, -head, of course, you go now it's automatically a three-game lead, gigantic, you know, for the division because Washington was not out of the division race now. Washington, as I mentioned, is still in the playoffs from a uh, – they, they still hold the wild card spot right now at six and seven, but um, they – you know, the division uh, possibilities to me now are, are pretty much over and out. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see. Nothing's impossible, but right now it looks like Washington is going to be exclusively battling for a wild card spot. And, I mean, you're out – you're down three games in the division with four games to go, so it's almost impossible, right, for, for that to happen. And um, if they haven't already clinched, I don't know. But uh, but yeah, we'll see how it goes. But I was impressed with Washington's efforts to not give up. And I was also impressed with Dallas, man. They, the defense was phenomenal, as I mentioned. The Chargers cruised right past the Giants. And uh, this game went way over 58 combined points. I don't think anybody saw that coming. But, you know, the Chargers, to me, their defense was absolutely incredible in this game. And I think that the, the Giants scored two late touchdowns in the fourth quarter when the game was well out of hand. It was 37-7, I believe. And so... Um, Largely, like I said, the Chargers defense was awesome. I mean, they they were really, really good. They they held um they held uh Mike Lennon, sorry, for 17. He went 17 of 36 for 191 yards. And of course, again, had those two touchdowns late. Saquon got in the end zone late. And I think well, I just want to say Saquon fantasy owners, you absolutely deserve that. Don't let anybody make you feel bad for a garbage time touchdown when you deserved it like that. Um, Herbert without Keenan Allen was absolutely insane. 23 of 31, 74% completion, 8.9 yards per pass attempt, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Herbert was awesome. Um, the Chargers, by the way, they're running backs. And I know Eckler got hurt, and that's devastating, especially for me that has him in the uh, fantasy for the playoffs. Hopefully he's okay, but I really don't know. I will say, though, the three running back combination of Eckler, Jackson, and Kelly combined for 31 for a buck 35 and a touchdown on the ground. So that was awesome to see. I, I've been saying for several weeks now, the chargers need more from the running backs run game in, in that regard. So they got that in this one and they were able to really just, you know, 
like I said, just steamroll the Giants, make pretty light work of them. And uh, the Chargers now getting hot at the right time, man. That's a team you don't want to play. And they are also a team that is number five seed in the AFC. And, uh, yeah, man, they they are. So right now, I said the Chiefs had a comfortable lead a few minutes ago. That's not true. The Chiefs are only up by a game over the Chargers. And I believe they still have to play them again. And the Chargers beat Kansas City the first time. So if they were able to beat them again, if they just stay within a game and they beat them this, in the second game, wow. That's division champion Los Angeles Chargers to you, sir. Um, anyway, so yeah, the uh, huge win for the Chargers, another loss for New York. And I think that New York, I, I tweeted this out yesterday. I'm going to go ahead and say it again, that the talent is there. You know, in my opinion, if you want to say you have to blame one of these guys, Joe Judge or, or Dave Gettleman, I would say I would blame Joe Judge because I think that Gettleman put a bunch of talent there. I just think that it, you know, it, it's not being utilized. It's not being put in the best position to succeed. So it's just my take on that. Tampa Bay beats the Bills in walk-off fashion, 33-27. This game obviously went way over. It was a 24-3 game at the half, and the Bills held Tampa to just three points in, in the uh, third and fourth quarters, and they scored 24 points of their own. So it was 24-3 Tampa in the first half, 24-3 Bills in the third and fourth quarter, and then – you punted in overtime. You gave Tom Brady a chance. And what does he do? Well, he did what he wanted to do. He he did ultimately what we all thought he would do, throw number 700 to win the game on a 58-yard in, in style, right? 58-yard touchdown pass to win it. Um, that was set up by the deep uh, pass interference call, you know, by the way, and then you know, so it was what it was. Brady went 363, two touchdowns, no picks, plus a rushing touchdown. Leonard Fournette, I'm just going to say it, man. He's a fantastic football player. He 19 carries 113 yards and a touchdown had the first touchdown of the day to really set the tone for them. And um, he, I just think he's a really good football player. Josh Allen was much better in the second half, but guys, why are we not getting Devin Singletary more involved? I said yesterday, I tweeted out, he's the most underutilized weapon in all of football. In, in my opinion, the guy that ran, he, he ran four times, 52 yards, by the way, one of those runs was like a three yard run, but it came on third and one on the final, a uh, uh, final regulation drive. I believe where he uh, had to make a guy miss. Cause the guy was right in his face. As soon as he touched the ball, he did it with ease, made a miss, picked up three yards on third and one. He's a guy that needs more carries. Yeah, he caught six for 37. I get all that, but he needs more carries. He's a really good running back. He's averaging he's averaging about five, almost five yards a carry on the season, right? So it's not like he's a bad uh, – you need to run the ball more with Singletary, period. In any case, um, Josh Allen finished 36 of 54, 308 yards, but just 5.7 yards per pass attempt. He also ran 12 times for 109 yards and a touchdown. Your quarterback was running insanely well, and – so was Singletary, and your quarterback had three times the carries that Singletary did. So I, I don't know. That fake punt, by the way, was to me, tell, uh, if there was ever a more obvious one, I can't recall it. It was very obvious, fake punt situation, and it failed. Um, so I, I don't know about that. But again, you get the ball first in overtime against Tom Brady, you got to go put it out of reach because he will do what he did, and that's ultimately what happened. So uh, big win for Tampa, tough loss for the Bills, but they're still hanging on in that seventh seed in the AFC. We'll see how things finish for them. Uh, the Packers beat up on the Bears 45-30, but this game was close, right? It was a closer game than, than what you'd look at just, you know, from the final score. The Bears get, up to, get off to a hot start. Kudos to Matt Nagy, by the way, who I oftentimes am hard on because his team, his players did not quit. Uh, Justin Fields, as I mentioned, he played pretty well. He threw – through to uh, eight different guys, caught a pass, and uh, 
Jakeem Grant and Demir Bird made big plays after the catch for the Bears early to really make this thing uh, very interesting very early on. And then the Rasul Douglas pick six at the end of the first half or towards the end of the first half was absolutely, I mean, potentially a game-saving play, right? It was awesome, uh, huge for Green Bay to get that one. A.J. Dillon out-touched or out-carried Aaron Jones 15-5, to by the way. Aaron Jones was uh, was good, scored two touchdowns in very limited work, but – AJ Dillon, I just thought that was interesting. You know, he was the lead ball carrier by three, you know, by three X, right? So that was what it was. Um, Aaron Rodgers retains ownership of Chicago, by the way, 29 of 37, 341 and four touchdowns, no picks. So another good day at the office for him. Devontae Adams, 10 for a buck 21 and two touchdowns. Did uh quite literally whatever he wanted against these Chicago Bears. So it was a it was a very good offensive performance from Green Bay, despite being a little bit of a slow start for them on offense. And yes, the Packers must play better on special teams uh, in really every way imaginable in this game, uh, you know, moving forward. But ultimately, it was a gigantic win for them, a win that showed they can win any kind of game. They can win a shutout game where they offense doesn't do much against Seattle, and they can win what kind of turned into a little bit of a shootout against the Bears, right? So, um, I think they're very legitimate Super Bowl contenders, man. I really, really do. And I think they are a team that – I don't know if they're a better team than Tampa, but I know this. Them and Tampa Bay, to me, uh, I feel like they have the best chance to beat Tampa. I'll say that. You know, I, I don't think Arizona quite – I don't know. I, I just feel like Arizona is going to have a hard time with Tampa or even Green Bay who beat them earlier in the year. And I think that the Packers are uh, – They've got everything. They've got everything you need, and they're getting healthy at the right time potentially too. So we'll see how it turns out. Obviously, again, special teams has to be better, uh, but they, you know, they did what they had to do and got a big win. Also, I want to shine a little bit of light on Justin Fields. I've been I've been highlighting rookies that have been playing poorly. Justin Fields played well, in my opinion. He threw, uh, you know, he had a he had a pretty good game. I think he had 233 yards passing, but he was he made some nice throws. He was he did a lot of good things at quarterback. I think it was one of his better games. Maybe not his best best game, but it was one of his better games, and that's very encouraging. So where the other rookies, in in the sense that Lawrence and um, Lawrence and Zach Wilson, those two guys are not playing necessarily even better than they were earlier justin fields is i think that's incredibly encouraging considering he was the third what was he fourth quarterback drafted so obviously mac jones is still playing having the better rookie season than any of these guys but uh justin fields to me is trending in the right direction right that was not an easy matchup against the packers defense and he did you know he played fairly well it wasn't a great statistical game but he played well so uh impressive to see there the vikings beat up on the steelers on the thursday night game 36 28 but this game got really interesting towards the end right um real quick before we even get into that i want to talk about dalvin cook i said to not start him and i was incredibly wrong dalvin cook obviously is a must start and and no matter what like basically what we learn now is that if dalvin cook is playing no matter what you think his health situation may or may not be, you're starting him because I believe he was the RB one of the entire freaking week, dude. Who would have thought the guy's over 200 rushing yards, um, dude? I just felt like you know I could have totally seen him as I mentioned. I think in the start sit pod, like going three carries, 31 yards, and then on, like coming up holding his shoulder on one of the plays and then being out for the rest of the game. I, I totally could have seen that. I knew the legs would be okay in terms of the explosiveness and all that, but man, he really did his thing so uh, shout out to dalvin cook i just from now on obviously we cannot even consider benching him no matter what his injury status is if he's playing he's starting so my bad on that guys uh chris um 
So yes, the Vikings offensively, um, Cousins wasn't great, right? But it was a big, it was just, Dalvin, uh, the Steelers can't stop the run. And so that's why they kept running the football. Justin Jefferson got in the end zone in this one as well. Um, Pittsburgh made it interesting late. They, they scored 21 in the fourth quarter and they had the ball with an opportunity to go tie it up at the, uh, you know, at the end of regulation. They weren't able to do so, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, one thing I want to say about this Vikings defense, right? When you look at when you look at two two very key metrics to your defense, right? How much are you allowing yards per carry wise, and how much are you allowing yards per pass attempt? They're not great in either one of those areas, but their pass rush, in my opinion, is much better productivity wise. They lead the league in sacks, or they did. I'm not sure if they still do, but they they were uh, a couple of days ago. I checked; they were leading the NFL in sacks. So they're one of the league leaders in sacks, if not the leader. And I don't think that they have a ton of elite level talent in the pass rush. I think that's just Mike Zimmer. You know, I don't know. I, I would just have to give credit to Zimmer in some way there. Um, so that's the reason why they oftentimes can be a little better defensively than maybe some statistical parts would would recognize. And so um, I think ultimately in this game came down to sometimes a fast start or a slow start for Pittsburgh in this one. Um, are too, it's too much to overcome, right? That was, it was a 24 to zero for like the first half of this game, I believe if I remember correctly. And so, you know, ultimately when, when you dig yourself into that type of a hole, ask the Washington football team, ask the Buffalo bills, even, you know, although they were able to get the game to overtime and sometimes you use so much of that energy to make it a football game again, that you just can't, uh, you can't finish it off. Right. And I think that a lot of times, you know, you just have to start better. You can't, come out that dead uh you know to start a football game and, and expect to win so especially on the road so um and then claypool he led pittsburgh in receiving so he's actually played well right but he's got to be more disciplined he has to be more disciplined he cannot hurt his team uh like he did with that personal foul penalty and all that so and i you know i know maybe it was debatable in that regard like who started whatever but the point is you got to have more discipline and um you know, I, I know Mike Tomlin was not happy with him and, and uh, you know, but he's a very talented player. So we'll see if uh, things get – they should get better for him. And so, yeah, man, it was a good overall performance by the Vikings. It was a it was complimentary football. It was making plays when you need to on both sides of the ball. And they got the win. So now Minnesota is very much in the mix, again, for that NFC uh, seventh seed right now. They're tied with Washington I guess Washington must have a better conference record, but we'll, you know, at this point, Washington's ahead of them. The Eagles are also tied. By the way, look, you've got in both um, in both conferences, right? You've got one, two, three teams in each, or actually in the NFC side, you got four teams that have the same record as the wild card teams, uh, but they're not in. So this this thing is a huge uh, race down the stretch here, and it's, it's going to be very, very interesting to see which of these teams gets hottest at the rightest time. And so, uh, yeah. But anyways, guys, I thought week 14 was good. That was fun. Um some games early were, were blowouts. Some games late were very dramatic and all that. So we had it all in NFL Week 14. We will also be very much looking forward to what happens tonight with these Cardinals and Rams. I took the Rams. I believe the Rams are going to get the win. But what do I know? I've been wrong a million times, like literally anyone, because this is NFL football. It's the most – it's probably the most unpredictable, you know, uh, sport on a, on a weekly basis. So – We'll see what happens and tonight, and I will talk to you guys later. Peace.